0: You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by LifeYield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry.
1: Welcome all. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. As our listeners know, I'm a big fan of smart disruption. Whether it's product or technology or how products and technologies are distributed, I love a good story of taking an age-old way of doing things and turning it on its ear. Today, we're going to have a conversation with someone who has created a very smart distribution approach and system that is really catching on. It's Brian Moran, who is the founder and CEO of Flex Networks. It's a unique distribution approach that we're going to dive into today and examine. So, Brian, welcome to WealthTech on Deck.
0: Jack, thanks for
1: having me. It's great to be here. So, Brian, uh, you are on something distinctive. I grew up in the distribution business, as you may know. It's not only distinctive, it's effective, and in my opinion, pretty cool. So why don't you provide some background on your career and the steps you've taken over the time to create Flex Networks, and then we'll get into the story of the business as it stands today uh, after you kind of at least give the backstory. I think that contributed to where you are today. So please tell us.
0: Terrific. And thank you for the kind remarks. It's been quite a journey. My career has been mostly as an operator, right? And I think that's an important distinction when thinking about Flex Networks. When we go into what it is and how we got here, but at Flex Networks, what led to this moment, I should say is over the past 25 years, I've been everything from a, you know, starting my career as an internal wholesaler, working your way up through the system into divisional and national, and then head of sales and head of national accounts and ultimately head of distribution. It's that experience, that operating experience that really led me to get to this point. But ultimately what launched this point though, Jack, was frustration and pain.
1: <laughs> I, right? I, I I understand that.
0: <laughs> yeah. If I think back and I look at, so I mean, you could ask, what is the frustration, right? Yeah, the yeah,
1: point? yeah. I, of course, that's been my best teacher too. So tell me.
0: And I'm sure you've seen this because you're such a student of the business, and I've listened to your podcast, and they all sort of talk about the ways the business is evolving. Yes. The first point was, you know, I looked at the model of distribution today, and it was super expensive. Right. right? It was fragmented. It was ambiguous. All of those things wrapped up into one caused frustration. Number two, the DOL. Well, it didn't go through, the DOL changed how wealth managers were perceiving their business models. In fact, it changed their business models to become more closed architecture. And that's probably too strong of a word. But they consolidated relationships. They were looking at being fiduciaries versus suitability rule, right? They, they had a different mindset because of that rule. What it meant to the potential of their business models, and then the last thing was just simple industry trends. I right? think about think about this is over the past two decades, in the past decade in particular, you've seen the top twenty five mutual fund ETF firms go from about almost sixty percent of market share to now hovering almost ninety percent. Right, so you've seen this consolidation at the top, and that's happened on the wealth side for years, but on the asset management side, it accelerated over the past decade. Then you take into account that most advisors no longer do transactional business. They're more strategy or planning in terms of how they allocate their money. That changes how you think about deploying resources to call on that market. And so it led me to that moment of frustration, that pain of like, what do you do in this evolving world? And that was my light bulb moment was, could I create something that used technology and outsource servicing and bring them into one?
1: I don't know that you have a, there's one simple answer, because it sounds like what you came up with actually is fairly complex and sophisticated, but clearly there's the frustration and the angst we all observe as we watch our business do what it does. So you had a moment. I'm curious what that moment was like and how that turned in. It's a pretty bold move, what you've made. So talk about that. And then if you would talk about how that turned into Flex Networks and what you all do, because you have a really unusual model. I've, I've tried to describe it and I oversimplified it, so I don't want to want to do you a disservice by trying to, but talk about that kernel, that moment that that say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a big, bold step. And then what did you decide? I think I'm sure there was an evolution. Where'd you start? How did it evolve? And love to hear where Flex is now. So that sort of transition from idea to implementation.
0: Well, the moment, the moment was actually, it was January of 2019. Uh, you know, I had that light bulb that said, what if I could create a platform that was, like Shopify, but for our industry, right? What if you could create something of outsource services and then take into components of that you see in things like LinkedIn or any network platform out there, right? And take those together. Could you do that? And so like any, you know, anyone that gets an idea and you start running like a dog with a bone, I was running, I was writing down ideas, thinking about ways that can work, talking to friends and talking to peers in the industry about what do you think of this and just kept pursuing it. And you know, I got to that moment where the opportunity to actually go launch it presented itself. And in December of 2019, launched it. And today, you know, I'm proud to say we are a dedicated network to asset managers, wealth managers, and financial advisors. And the whole premise, our vision is to simplify, modernize, as we like to say, revolutionize how they come together. The heart of it, it's really simple. I mean, one place to go get information, one place to go get Business services and solutions, one place to go get investment ideas, one place to connect with peers based upon your similar preferences, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. All of that through a community like feel. Yeah. And, yep. but through a central hub. I think what sometimes people anchor to is that sometimes when they think of distribution, they think of just people. The human element's a critical portion of it. Don't get me wrong. But what we were solving for was not necessarily just to have an outsourced distribution model, but to have a way that we could create omnichannel presence for managers and advisors with one another
1: in one location. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. So let me take a crack. I apologize in advance for the disservice I'm about to demonstrate, but because it's an unusual model, and it's, in, I'm going to try to liken it to what people are familiar with. So the traditional wholesale model was You work for a mutual fund company or an annuity company, and you sold their stuff. Yep. Your model is you select, you curate a list of companies, of products, and you curate a list of places you distribute. And I'd love to hear that because there's a fair amount of complexity in all that I just said. So you basically have wholesalers, have key account managers of a sort, have people that are, I'm assuming our due diligence and all the rest of that sort of stuff. So talk about how that comes together because what you've done to your Shopify example, you're highly selective in who you represent and where you represent them and how you represent them. So maybe talk about that because it's a different kind of model than I certainly have seen over the course of my career.
0: I'll flip this question around a little bit if it's okay, because sure, I, think, sure. I think what you're hitting on is the exact point to touch on is like, what is the model, right? And Remember, I said it's going to be a combination of outsourced services and also platform network type of integration into one, right? Our membership, as we call it, consists of advisors, whether they be RAAs or big broker dealers, asset managers, and what we call wealth management firms, the enterprises themselves. They all come to Flex for different reasons, but those reasons are similar enough just from a different perspective that they're trying to pursue them. So when you come to Flex, there's three exchanges that every member leverages. There's the investment exchange, there's a solutions exchange, and there's the intelligence exchange. These three exchanges, as we refer to them, are wrapped with the community aspect that you see within any social media platform, right? And the whole concept was when you came here as a manager or a wealth management firm, that you begin that journey in our solutions exchange where there you will go in and you'll find the ability to modularly implement how you want to build a strategy, whether it be distribution strategy for an asset manager or for a wealth management firm or the financial advisor, a way for them to build a marketing strategy to attract new households or a way to help educate their clients. Right. So both parties come and they begin that journey at our solutions exchange. And to your point, We curate the Solutions Exchange. We've actually curated in more than 30 different relationships today that come to Flex. And also, in some cases, we're developing the solutions in the Solutions Exchange, or we actually own the solutions in the Solutions Exchange. So you can come here and you can find categories like video content, marketing, or shared personnel to what you're referring to earlier. So one of the services that we do offer up to an asset manager Is the ability for them to select shared personnel whether it be national accounts or wholesaling but it's one of the 30 plus categories that we have in our solutions exchange that they can
1: leverage today and each is priced accordingly in terms of the exchange of value that you all determine
0: well yeah think think about this you asked earlier about where do we sit today so we have 65 asset managers who represent about three trillion dollars so it's all different sizes Mm -hmm. and they all come here for different reasons right Some come from, yeah, the shared personnel because they need access to that or they want to experiment with that. But others come for sales infrastructure. They come for the ability to do branding and marketing campaigns. Uh, They come for the use of flex media. So there's a whole set of, if you looked at a curve that goes from digital to services to, you know, ultimately even
1: shared personnel. And so when you come in and those various services you just described, when you come in on that... There's a pricing structure for that, and then people are on your side are designated to support. I'll talk a little bit about how that dynamic plays out.
0: The goal that we have is to try to ensure that any member that comes in is being aligned with the right level of service and or product. Right. The last thing that we really want to do is bring somebody in, have a big subscription, and it's premature mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then you end up having a negative outcome. Right, right, And so the goal that we do have in onboarding, especially in the asset management membership. The goal there is very simple. It's make sure we align the level of service and or product recommendations with where that firm is in their life cycle or where their product is in the mm-hmm. life cycle. Mm-hmm. And that you sort of build along the way. But it's also anchored with the belief that if you think just hiring a person is all you need to get your product from the manufacturing side over to the wealth manager side, you're really mistaken because relationships of one individual are not enough. In fact, it's almost a disservice to your business to just bet on a single person in some cases because of how the market has evolved due to things like the DOL and the trends we were talking about earlier.
1: And how does that work? Do you, I'm firm XYZ, asset manager. I like the story. I'm Let's say I'm an emerging manager. I'm smaller, I'm doer, whatever and I contract with you, what does that start to look like? Just to give our audience a sense of, you know, it sounds like you evolve over time. You don't try to boil the ocean up front, but I would assume you develop a strategy together and then you start working the strategy and as you find out what works and what doesn't, you modify and adjust. So talk us through an example not specific to a firm, but it's sort of a common example of some of that. So
0: every manager that comes to Flex goes through a, what we call a distribution speedometer. It's a proprietary tool that gauges where you are in your firm's life, firm or product lifecycle. That tool then spits out a proprietary scoring system where we go through and we measure what are the services that typically equate to where you are at this stage. We have that discussion. It's a consultative discussion because, candidly, our view as a business model whether it's talking with an advisor or talking to an asset manager, is that it's all about being consultative in this type of day and age. So we go through that process. If they select, let's say they are at the highest level of the scoring system where they can, it makes sense for them to go everything in a full turnkey solution, then they would actually have everything from marketing content to social media, to video, to PR, to actual data, sales reporting, infrastructure, product development materials, all of that comes in a turnkey solution that looks and feels from our perspective, like it should be an in-source distribution team and program.
1: Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. I think I've understood this, but essentially what you're doing is you're really, to use your term appropriately, so it's a consultative approach to find out where their issues are, their pain points, their gaps, their whatever, developing a strategy together, and then working the strategy. That's is that fair to say? Yeah.
0: Correct. If you've been a veteran in this business for years, especially on your manufacturing side, the portfolio management side, is that you probably are anchored in a belief that people are doing steak dinners or going out for golf or doing walking the offices and they have a friend that they can go show the fact sheet to or get them to just do you a solid and get you to buy a product. Right, right. And I think you know this, right? The problem how, is that- Oh sure,
1: that's what I grew up with.
0: <laughs> but that model, while I'm not saying it's completely gone, it's very, very, it's been minimized compared to what it historically sure. was. So the problem you have as a manager today, calling on the wealth management space, is that you got to think of a way that you can play the long game. And the, and the short term of the long game may actually be minimal results at times. And but you got to sustain it because you don't know when the product will be in the right position, you don't know when your firm will be in the right position, your brand will be in the right position. But you got to sustain the game and you got to be visible because two things that matter more than ever are your brand and your shelf space. And if you don't have those, it's really hard to participate
1: in the wealth management channel. So I don't know if you know this and I'm not sure how familiar you are with Phoenix Investment Partners. It's now Virtus Investment Partners. So way back when, there was a, an aggregator, as it was called at the time, United Asset Management. And we took that model with Phoenix Investment Partners, copied it, and then added distribution. They just basically had a collection of managers and you could come get it. And it didn't really work out all that well. And our crazy notion was that if we had applied good wholesaling mm-hmm. to it, this is way back in in the late 90s, I think is when we started it. And we hired a collection of managers. We were the first ones to come up with a, uh, I don't know if you remember, the uh, complementary investment analysis. And actually, Mark Spina, way back when, was that Region, I think. He actually came to our offices and trained our sales desk. That's where all of those proposals were done. It was off our sales desk. We had seven different national sales managers come to our office to train our internal wholesalers on how to incorporate their managers. But it's a precursor. You're far down the road from whatever we were. But I'm quite familiar with what you're doing because we went in with the idea we'd have multiple managers, multiple products, and then we would just basically say, what's your gap? What's your, what are you missing? And we frankly enjoyed enormous success. We were a tiny little firm to start because we weren't trying to just tell them how great our you know latest, greatest product was or, or SMA or what have you. What I find fascinating about what you've done is you've taken it far further where you're doing a lot of this up front, where you're determining with the, whoever it is, asset manager, wealth manager, what have you, where you're sorting out where's the best path forward for everyone to win. Am I getting that right?
0: It should be a win-win proposition. But I think it's a different perspective because I do think for years, the industry has been an own versus lease mentality. And I do think what you see now is that It's not always a bad financial outcome to lease, right? In fact, I think many cases can be made from our perspective, which is obviously slightly biased, but I do believe the access to a solutions exchange like we built does deliver that that ability for managers to, as we like to talk about, get synthetic scale, right? You don't need scale all the time. You just need it. You need it when it's most appropriate for you to drive the power of your brand, your intellectual capital, and your products.
1: Fascinating. So you started three and a half years ago, was it? Yeah, just yeah, almost. And I have a hunch, having started a few businesses in my day, you've probably learned a few things. Tell me a little bit about what you learned over the past three and a half years as you kicked this wonderful idea off, and I'm sure it evolved and changed. But what are some of the things you learned along the way? You know,
0: if you uh, you hit on the head, I now know why there's everyone that says they're an entrepreneur is 22 or just really, really wealthy because in between. <laughs> And in in between, it's really tough. All joking aside, I think that the thing I've learned is that you've got to just be so tenacious and persistent and passionate and confident in what you're building is going to help others and maybe pain points or help people capitalize on opportunities. You can't ever let that down. Because our model, if you think about it, Jack, which is maybe one of the most proudest moments of my career, uh, is we launched December of 19. Right. I was myself. And then shortly after that, I bamboozled Mark Spina to join our advisory board. I got Eric Nastri to join as our first uh, team member and began to build a team. But that happened in April of 2020, which at that time was when COVID was happening. So we've had to build this company, uh, this entire network through the entire COVID and workforce experiment that occurred as a result of it. I think it's been extremely rewarding because you got to see that your value prop did resonate. And there's lots of things that we can continue to improve on. But I think what really does make us different and what has made us successful is we're operators. We're not academics. We're not technologists at first, which I think we need to have all of those. But we're operators, which understand this space.
1: Curious. Do you think, notwithstanding the pandemic was tough on all of us for all the reasons we know, do you think it helped or hurt that you started in a, in a pandemic?
0: It's, I know it's a sort of a cop-out answer, but it's both, yeah, right? Yeah. It helped because it leveled the playing field and made people think outside the box. However, from a brand building and an engagement model for firms that didn't have brand or traditional engagement access, that was much harder. So you had both ends of the spectrum play out.
1: I know recently you got some investments from, from some name brand firms, some, some of which we know. Talk a little bit about that and what you're going to do with all that money you got to uh, deploy. And uh, I assume it's all about growth from here. So tell me. We were
0: very fortunate in November of last year to execute our first institutional investment round ever, which was anchored by Bearings, and then co-invested alongside Bearings was Broadridge and Allianz Global Life Ventures, a firm that I know you know very well as well. Yes. The three of them have been incredible partners, both strategically And financially, they have been unbelievably supportive in what we're trying to accomplish. I think it was a moment of, in some ways for us, validation too, that what we're pursuing does have not only legs, but has significant merit to what we're going to achieve. And so to your point, that that investment round was to help us propel key hires, uh, invest in the brand of the business, but also begin to pursue the wealth management experience even more. And that's one of the things I'm really excited about as an outcome of this investment round is in the coming months, you will hear of a few different wealth firms that are going to suggest that firms, asset management firms, become members of Flex Networks and leverage our community to better access their advisors and their home office team members.
1: And I'm assuming that has a lot to do with your ability to pinpoint and be less show up and throw up and more accurate in terms of how you target, how you go to market, how you inspire or encourage people to join what you're doing?
0: Well, I don't use this term often. I, I think you're you're right. I think it's more about concierge selling.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Is the way I would look at it is and sense. right in our model. The ultimate goal is that you're not forcing a product. You're not forcing a conversation. You're actually helping position the end result, though, in a way that's much more effective because the buyer no longer needs you to source the idea. They actually need you to help position why the idea makes sense. Yep.
1: Yep. And I would imagine if I'm a wealth manager, frankly, a lot of wholesalers running around my offices not being all that targeted is probably something I would like less of as opposed to someone who's more pinpointed, has a strategy and executes on the strategy. It's
0: interesting. I don't, I agree, right? Running around just dropping fact sheets off, knocking on windows, that's purely disruptive and interruptive, and it's not truly value add. But I don't think we want to remove people from the engagement model only because. I do think in our business, you can probably get 90% of the way through your transaction. But if your option at the end is to talk to a bot or talk to a person and have the positioning provided to you in a way that relates to your experiences and your background and what they know about you, I think people want to have those wholesalers there. It's just going to be a different look and
1: feel. Yeah. And more efficient on all sides, right? Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's great. Mm Well, this has been wonderful. uh, I've been a fan of what you and Mark and the team have been doing. Mark's a longtime friend, and uh, we've had him on our our show. And uh, uh, actually, we should have both of you back as your story continues to emerge. It's always fun to watch uh, people with smart ideas doing smart things in smart ways. So thank you for the conversation. It's really been wonderful. As we look to wrap up, one of the things that we'd like to do at this point is uh, what are three key takeaways you want to share with our audience that they can uh, maybe apply in their lives?
0: I think, number one, similar to health, don't let pain points linger. Look for solutions, collaborate, and try to find partners that you can do them with. Two, leverage innovation, right? Don't run from it. Leverage it to that, similar to uh, how the calculator replaced long division on paper. Leverage innovation so that you can become more productive with your time. And three, don't let legacy models be the reason for not adopting new approaches. If you can do those three things in today's environment regardless of what age you are and demographic you may be, you have a really good chance of having and seeing the fruits of your labor pay off.
1: I'm curious, have you started to see people copy you Has that started to happen yet?
0: Absolutely. And I think it's the greatest form of flattery. Sure. sure. Right? It's, it, the industry needs innovation and we're happy to sort
1: of set the table. Yeah, I think we would probably both agree that the old wholesaling model is a thing of the past. So it needs to be replaced by cool stuff that you, people like you are doing. So congratulations. This has really been an, an enjoyable conversation. And our final question of each of our shows is always the same and always our favorite. And that is that, what do you do outside of work that you are excited or passionate about people might find interesting or surprising?
0: Well, I would say as a startup founder and a CEO, the time outside of work is is less and less these days, but that time that there is, it really is about my kids and my family, right? It's, and so I, I coach both my sons and the sports that they do. And that's probably, candidly, it's the most rewarding experience I've had, maybe in my life, just to watch the impact on the kids, to watch the impact on their development, watch the impact on progress. It's worth its weight in gold, and I feel really fortunate to be able to do it. So that's probably the most passionate thing I have in my life outside of Flex.
1: That's terrific. Brian, thanks. This has really been wonderful. For our audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech On Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Brian, thanks again. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Jack. Great to spend time and appreciate it. Great show. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech On Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.